It's in your CD player right now. Beach Boys. Beach Boys, okay. <laughs> that works. Frank Sinatra, yeah, yeah. What? I love it. Yeah, what's in your playlist? Come on, tell me what's in your CD player. What's on your iPod? What's, what, what do you listen to? Degarmo Key, I love Degarmo Key. Baby King. Baby King, yep, yep. Say, I missed it. Lecrae. Lecrae, okay, yep. Yanni. Yanni, if you want to yawn a lot. Yeah. Fall asleep. Seventh time down. What else do you listen to? Johnny Cash. Who is that? Chris Tomlin. I've never heard of him. Chris Tomlin. That sounds interesting. I'll Chris Bodie. Tomlin? Chris Bodie. Bodie? I need some from the back. Toby Mac. Don. Toby Mac, okay. Toby Mac. Who else? Ooh, yeah. yeah. Piano guys, yeah. Excellent. What? Way FM. What's the Way FM? Yeah. That's what. That's one of my stereo too. Good. I think it's awesome to have those playlists, and I, I think for a lot of us, at least for me, what I listen to has a lot to do with my mood, and then what I want my mood to become also has to do with what I push play on, right? Because when I'm upstairs in my office and I want to study. I listen to things that don't have a lot of lyrics, but just have a lot of good guitar music. Joe Cetriani, Steve Vai, Eric Johnson, these guys that know how to play guitar and just, it just, they're just jamming in the background. And it's wonderful to be able to sit there and listen to them. Um, I have a driving list, a list that I play when I drive, especially if I want to drive fast um, and get there quick. I put on a certain song to go. Um, I used to, when I was riding my motorcycle, I would put headphones in and I would be, there would be a certain song that I would, a certain playlist that I would listen to. I think it's interesting that Psalms are, are there for us and um, that maybe these were the Psalms that David played, that, that the Israelites listened to. Um, I don't think we're going to cover all 150 Psalms in this series because we would be here for a very long time. And... From this morning's message, uh, we're going to actually dive into Psalm chapter 1, and um, we're actually going to break it up into two weeks. <laughs> so if we took two weeks on all 150 Psalms, we would be here for a very long time, 300, <laughs> 300 some weeks, which that's what, that's like four or five years. Well, maybe not, but it's, it's a lot, of, that's a lot of time, right? So we're not, we're just going to grab the greatest hits. We're just going to grab those ones that really stick out to us. And I really want to start with Psalms 1 because it's powerful. It's super Im- impactful and uh, it's, it's a place we need to start. The Psalms are one of those things that are one of those places in the Bible that oftentimes confuse people. Some people read them like they're stories from the Old Testament, like 1st, 2nd Kings. Some people try to read them like they're a letter from Paul, like Romans or 1st Corinthians. But we really need to look at them like someone's spiritual journey. Like we're peering over the shoulder of uh, the writer, like David or some of the other psalmists. We're peering over the shoulder of them as they're writing in their spiritual journal, their daily journal, their daily diary, their relationship with God. And so when we read them like that, there's there's really kind of two types of psalms that we're going to come across. And I've... I, I call them prescriptive and descriptive, okay? So there, there's kind of two different ki- types of, of psalms. And David wrote over, a, over 70 of those, and his psalms have the normal ups and downs, like a normal relationship with God has. 
we find some of those psalms and we should follow some of those psalms like their prescription like this is how you should follow god or this is how you should pursue god there are going to be other ones that are more or less descriptive like it's just allowing us to get a glimpse of what david's relationship with god was like Okay, so we're going to look at them, and we're going to look at every one of these psalms, either prescriptive or descriptive, and you can kind of decide in your head what those are, and you'll be able to tell as we as we go along. We read a place where where David describes his relationship with God as the deer pants for the water. How many of you in your relationship with God would say that you pursue God like a deer pants for the water? I appreciate you if you are like that, right? But for me, that is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have a clue what you mean by that. I, I mean, I understand that there are thirsty deer out there, and I get it that they really want to drink water. But for me, that doesn't really, it doesn't work. And I'm, like I said, if, if that really works for you and that really describes your relationship with God, I'm glad it does. But that one doesn't do it for me. So I'm just saying that because there are some places where you're going to see David describe his relationship with God. And you're going to say, nope, that's not me. But then there's going to be other places where you're going to be able to really connect with it. And so as you read through the Psalms, and like I said, we're only going to hit, we're only going to hit the top um, greatest hits. And they're going to be my greatest hits because I get to pick which ones they are. Um, unless you find a Psalm, and, and uh, BJ read from one this morning that was really awesome. If you find a Psalm that you're just like, you, you need to preach a sermon about this. We need to hear more about this Psalm. Um, I'm, I'm taking requests. The, uh, the jukebox is open. Uh, but anyway, we do have some, um, some plan for us. And like I said, I want to start in Psalm chapter 1. Before we dive into this passage, I want you to write down this simple truth. And I don't think it's going to be on the screen. This simple truth, if you don't hear anything I say all day, I want you to hear this phrase. If I am Velcroed to the Bible and to other Christians, I will have what I need when I need it. Okay? If I'm Velcroed to the Bible and to other Christians, I will have what I need when I need it. If you're close to the Bible and you're close to other Christians, you're going to have, when you have one of those need-to-know moments or those need-to-grow moments, you're going to be in the right place. You're going to have exactly what you need if you're Velcroed to the Bible and if you're Velcroed to other Christians. If I'm connected to just the Bible and not to other Christians, I'm not going to be aware of the parts of the Bible that I don't know. I have no, I'm not going to have enough when life throws me a curveball. And the vice versa is also true. If I'm only connected to other Christians, I'm only going to know what they know. I'm not going to know actually what God is telling me, which again may leave me empty in a growing moment or in a need to, mo- need to know moment. If I have both, I'm in a good spot. And Psalms chapter 1 has both of those. I'm calling it the crowd and the compass. The crowd, the other people, and the compass, the word of God. Later today in a very cold Minnesota, 66,200 people will sit in a very cold seat. And we'll probably not sit too much, but they're going to be there in the stadium. And um, they're probably not going to be too cold because it is actually inside. So. But they're going to be in a very cold Minnesota and watch the Patriots and the Eagles play the Super Bowl. They will pay a record-breaking average price 
of $5,415 per ticket. Oh my. That is an average price. Do the math. Wow. But that's only part of the story. That's only a, a tip of the iceberg. There's an estimated 1.3 million people have been in Minneapolis for the last 10 days for this festival, right? Lots of money coming into town. Very large crowd. It is an estimated more than 1 million people. No, not 1 million. 100 million people will watch the game today. Of which there may be a few of us in here that might watch it. Very large and influential crowd. This crowd of armchair quarterbacks, just those who want to watch the commercials, either way, have forced the cost of a 30-second commercial to a lofty $5.5 million. 30 seconds for a million dollars. That's $167,000 per second. Don't look away even for a second because someone paid $167,000 for that second. Yikes. The price has almost doubled in the last 10 years. In 08, the price of that same 30-second commercial was $2 million. Amazing. Powerful crowd. Is there power in the crowd? Yeah, there is. Great strength in the crowd. Let's go to Psalm chapter 1 and let's read Psalm chapter 1. We're not going to read all 150 Psalms. We're just going to read Psalm chapter 1. And guess what? There's only six verses there. Look at it with me. Let's go to God and word of prayer first, and then we'll read. How's that sound? God, thank you for this time that you've allowed us to be together today. And I thank you for the weather. Thank you for um, allowing us to be together. It's, it's just really fun to um, get together with other like-minded Christians. God, I pray that you'll bless our time today. Help us to get this idea of, of what the crowd and how, how powerful the crowd and the strength that the crowd has on us. God, I pray that you'll bless us with this and get, help us to get this concept. Pray the things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand with the little guys as we read this passage of Scripture. Psalm chapter 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Verse 4, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over their path, the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Thank you for that. You may be seated. We're going to look at the strength of the crowd. We're going to take this first passage of scripture psalms 1 and verse 1 some of your bibles may say blessed is the one who do not does not walk in the step of the wicked does not stand in the way of the sinners and does not sit in the company of mockers think about that with me for a second does not walk does not stand and does not sit it's pretty easy to walk by somebody right bye-bye but when you stand with someone, you start to get to know them a little bit, right? For getting a little more comfortable. And then it progresses to sitting with. When you sit down with someone, what does that say about you and that person? Yeah. You're pretty comfortable, right? 
the progression relationally takes place in this passage of scripture. Yeah, I know, preacher. I've heard it before. Don't hang out with the wrong crowd. I get it. The problem is that everyone goes away from here, and you, the, we, we all each, we all apply this particular truth in a different way. We don't all take it the exact same way. And, and one may be real strict and say, well, well that means I'm not going to hang out with anybody unless they, they think exactly the way I think. It's applying the verse, right? But then there may be other people who say, well, you know, I'm just not going to hang out with the, uh, with the serial killers, the, the Hitlers of the world. You know, that's not hanging out with the wrong crowd. That's the way I'm going to interpret I think there's right about both of those. But I want us to get down to really what it means for each and every one of us. How can we apply it to our lives so that we won't get caught in a bad spot? There's strength in the crowd. So we're going to take just a few minutes and look at two or three things, two or three pointers that I think will help us be able to apply this in a better way. Number one, associate with everyone, but hang with those who make you better. Associate with everyone, but hang with those who make you, make you better. Some would read Psalms 1 and decide it's just better not to associate with anyone, to just crawl in a cave somewhere, crawl, crawl in a greenhouse somewhere, and protect what we have and what we know. This type of person would only be friends with Christians, would only live in a neighborhood where there were only Christians, and would only work at a place with Christian influence. But we find Jesus doing something a lot different than that, don't we? Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 10 with me. It says, As Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and his followers. Hmm. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked Jesus' followers, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard them, he said, It is not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I want kindness more than I want animal sacrifices. I did not come to invite good people, but to invite sinners. We get it, right? Jesus hung out with some rough crap. But on the flip side, we have to be careful not to hang out with, with, can hang around them, but don't hang with the wrong crowd. They're going to lead you astray. Inevitably. Number two, inevitably. We become like those that we hang out with. We can associate, we can hang around them, but don't hang with them. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. We see people trying to break this, this truth. Try to run away from it and try to make up their own game. They spend their entire lives hanging out with knuckleheads and fools. Fool, Bible calls them fools. They, they spend their entire existence playing with crazies. And they wonder why their life is in complete shambles. The Bible tells us, hang out with fools and you watch your life fall to pieces. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Many of you can quote it. You've heard me speak it from the pulpit many times. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
So how can we tell? How can we tell if we're hanging around the bad too much? It's tough. Because every one of us have different tolerances. What I can handle, what Cade can handle, what Brad can handle, what Adam can handle is completely different. What, what Adam can go into one place and deal with people that are, are, are bad people and not be affected by them may be completely different than what I'm capable of and vice versa. We have to know our own tolerances. Some of us are like chameleons, right? You walk into a crowd and you become just like that crowd. Some of us aren't as easily affected. And it's weird because it depends on the situation. It depends on the bad that we're dealing with because some will will be able to handle maybe they'll be able to handle walking into a bar but not walking into a place where there's gossip right so there's there's differences and we all have our own tolerances so the key question is we need to ask ourselves is where do I turn for advice and approval this will help us answer the question if I'm following the wrong crowd and if I'm hanging out with them too much. The key question is, where do I turn for advice and approval? If you're honest with yourself, you ask this question, who do I turn to for advice and approval? You'll find out whether that crowd is rubbing off on you, whether that crowd is influencing you or not. It's real easy to see it in other people. Even our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's real easy to see in my kids. They start hanging out with the wrong crowd. We can tell where they're going for their advice. Where they're turning for approval. See it in teenagers a lot. It's like if they're not responding to authority very well, I can tell who they've been hanging out with. It's pretty obvious. Who do you look for? Or who do you look to for approval? It's not even the big things. A lot of times it's the little things. What you wear, what you do for entertainment, what your house looks like, which car you drive. We're all affected by different things. Who do you compare yourself to? We think to ourselves, well, I'm my own person. I don't look to anyone for approval or advice. I know as a guy, I think that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I got this. I, I'm my own person. Nobody affects me. But we have to be honest. Because we're affected by others. We go somewhere for advice and for approval. Even in those fiercely independent moments, we are still being influenced by someone or something. Where do you go for advice? Most of us go to our closest friends. We read a story this morning about Rehoboam, who had the, all the advisors from, from Solomon's regime that were there, available for him to ask questions of. And he did. He asked the older people, but then he also went to his peers. He went to his closest friends. They probably know us the best. Oftentimes their priorities typically will align with ours. Maybe you have some struggles in your marriage. You go to a buddy at work and, and you let him know what's going on. He's like, yeah, I'm not starting to get along with my, with my wife and my spouse very well. And and he comes in and he says, well, here, I got some advice for you. He said, well, what I did with my third wife was, was this. And, and, and this is what I did with, what do you do next? Oh, yeah, he must have experience. 
yeah, that's it. I'm going to listen to him. Uh, no. Pretty much whatever he says, you want to do the opposite. Why do we go to awful parents and ask for advice about parenting? Why do we go to the unemployed to ask why, how we should, what we should do about our job? I know it sounds silly, but think about it. Where do you go for advice? Who do you run to when you need advice about financial things? Do you go to somebody that's wise in those matters and it's going to tell you exactly what they need to tell you, the truth? Or are you going to go to somebody that's in the same boat you are and just say, oh yeah, no big deal? I don't know. I think we have a tendency to run to our peers just like Rehoboam did. If you're sharing your life and pouring out your heart to sharing relational time with and seeking advice from people who don't have the same faith in God you do, watch out. It's real comfortable sharing your folly with fools because they offer, they offer comfort folly. Right? I'm in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, we're all a bunch of losers. That's not going to get you to grow. That's not going to take you the place you want to go. Proverbs 14 verse 7 says, Escape quickly from the company of fools. They're a waste of your time, a waste of your words. Who do you get your advice from? Ask yourself the question. Next, who do you seek your approval from? We all have groups of people that impact our lives. We kind of already started talking about it. We all hang out with a certain type of people. We, we tend to act a little differently when we're around that particular group of people. Sometimes we're even a little bit not like who we really are when we're around that group of people. We're caught up in those moments. And in our sane moments, we would never even think about doing whatever we're doing. What are we doing? We're looking to them for approval. We're looking to those people for approval. We want to fit in with them. Not very smart. Do any of you have a friend who has a tendency to complain a lot? Anybody? Have a friend that complains a lot? You ever find yourself joining in with them and complaining? <laughs> Typically, you're content with most everything, but when you're around that particular person, you just, you just complain just like they do? I have a couple that I am associated with that complain a lot. But when I'm with them, I have in my head noticed that they're complainers. I've noticed that they have a tendency to complain. And so when I'm with them, I don't fall into it because I know it and I've, I've said it in my heart that I'm going to help them get better. And so when they start complaining, I immediately I jump right into, let's see if we can be content with what we have. Let's see if we can be content with the weather. Let's see if we can be grateful for whatever it is that we're, we're dealing with. And I'm able to help them. But there's another individual that when I'm with them, they suck me into the complaints. And I, I start complaining just like they're complaining. Why is that? Why is it that I'm capable of, of not complaining when I'm with, the, with this particular couple, but when I'm with this other individual, I fall into it? Why is that? It's because I'm looking for approval from that individual. Watch yourself. 
Identify who it is that when you're with them, you can influence them. And when you're with someone else, you seem to be influenced by them. I'll bet you anything that it's those that you're looking for approval from. Who are you looking for approval from? I do it. It's, it's scary. But once again, everyone is different. We all have our own tolerances. We have to be careful. We can't make rules and say, well, you can't hang out with that person. And, and you can't hang out at that place. And you're not allowed to be at that. You can't eat at Chili's because they serve alcohol there. Really? No. I could sit at the Chili's bar all night long and eat my dinner right there watching them make all of those drinks and never once be tempted to have a drink. It wouldn't phase me at all. None. Zero. Zilch. Wouldn't have it. Wouldn't happen. But there may be somebody else in this room that would sit there and be like, yeah, you know, I used to drink those. Or, or that smells really good. Or, I don't know, might have trouble with it. It may not be the bar situation. It may be some other situation. But be able to identify what yours is and what your tolerances are. And if, if you're being affected by them or if you're affecting them, it has to be us making those calls for ourselves. Parents, you have to make those calls for your kids because they're not smart enough to make those calls. Start helping them make those decisions for themselves, but there are some cases where you have to make them. How's it usually play out? When we get in those bad relationships and we realize we're in those bad relationships, what usually happens when we say, no, 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 hold on a sec. I'm sorry, but I can't hang out with you anymore. This is not working for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not being, a, I'm not becoming a better person when I hang out with you. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to part ways. What happens? How's it usually play out? How many of you have walked away from a friend who was a bad influence on you? Have you ever done that? Yeah, I hope you have. Because there's a lot of bad influences out there. How did it go? Are you still friends with them? I would say in most cases, when you have to walk away from a friend for the reason of bad influence, it usually doesn't end well. That once friend is usually now or is probably most likely your worst critic now. They become critical of you and they start poking holes in your righteousness, right? If you're so concerned that you aren't going, that they aren't going to like you if you start to pull away, it's all the more proof that you're being influenced by them. And you're seeking approval from them. But if you say it's okay. If, you aren't gonna be li- if you're not going to like me anymore. If you're not going to hang out with me anymore. It's okay. Because I have to take my life in a more positive direction. And I don't really care. If you don't like me anymore. I asked the, ta- I asked the question at my table. And this morning. Kind of that same question. And both Don and Darren. Both, both speak up. Like no. I don't have any problem losing those old friends. Why? Why don't they care? They were friends. Why would you turn your back on friends? Because they want, Darren and Don both want their lives to go in a different direction. They don't care about those old friends. They want to do what's right. 
the same thing with all of us. And I think we can, we can be a Christian for 30 years and think, oh, I've got this. No problem. These people don't affect me. Uh, you're wrong. You're being deceived by Satan. The Bible's clear about a few people that we should avoid. And um, because the Patriots and the Eagles are playing today, we're going to use the, um, you know, the biblical... If you want to soar with eagles, you have to avoid turkeys. I got three turkeys for you that I want you to avoid, all right? Turkey number one we find in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 through 25. I call this one the angry turkey. Don't hang out with the angry turkey. It says in, uh, in verse 24, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. How many of you have hung out with somebody that's angry and had a tendency when you left them to be a little more angry? You know what? Psychologists have told us, sociologists have told us that the Bible is true in this particular case. Your, your mouth's supposed to draw and go, oh, what? If you hang out with angry people, you have a tendency to be more angry. God's word is true again. As always, when you're around angry people, you have a tendency to be angry. If you want to fly with the eagles, you can't hang out with an angry turkey. All right? Don't hang out with an angry turkey. Second one's the abuser turkey. Proverbs 23, verse 20 and 21. The abuser turkey. You don't want to hang out with the abuser. It says in verse 20, Do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty. And too much sleep clothes, or clothes them in rags. Too much sleep clothes them in rags. Don't crowd. Don't hang out with the abuser turkey. This is a place where tolerances make a big difference. Some of you might be able to hang out with where, like I mentioned, at Chili's or Buffalo Wild Wings at the bar and not, and not affect you. But there's others that can't. Don't hang out with the carousers, with the drunkards, with the crazy people. If you want to fly with eagles, don't hang out with the abuser turkey. Number three, don't hang out with the rebel turkey. The rebel turkey. Proverbs 24 and verse 21, look at it. It says, My child, fear the Lord and the king. Don't associate with rebels, for disaster will hit them suddenly. Who knows what punishment will come from the Lord and the king. The message translation says, Fear God, dear child. Respect your leaders. Don't be defiant or mutinous. Without warning, your life can turn upside down. And who knows how or when it will happen. Don't hang out with a rebel. Did you ever have a, a friend in high school that was just kind of like a little bit on the rebellious side? If, if there was going to be trouble, they were going to be in it. Dee's elbow and Brad's like, you were that guy. <laughs> Brad, were you the, the hell raiser of your day? <laughs> okay, okay. There were some, weren't there? I can think of them. Josh Jones, uh, Brian Markley. I mean, I literally... Uh, uh, Jeremy Condy, I mean, if you recognize these names, please don't tell them. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy is about like this and about this wide. He was a big guy. He works for, um, uh, he works for Kaufman's Asphalt Company. He drives the big asphalt um, land machine. So if you ever see Kaufman's out, wave at Jeremy for me. He was a bruiser, just a constant bruiser. Him and Tim Conway, those two, not Tim Conway, was it Tim? Tim. It was Tim, but I can't remember his last name. Conway is 
that's somebody else. That's an actor. Oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, well. But anyway, him and Tim, were, they were cousins, and they were bruisers. What, what Jeremy didn't come up with, Tim did. And what Tim didn't come up with, Jeremy did. And somehow, my freshman year, I was like, oh, man, that guy's – he was 6'4 when he was a senior. And I was, of course, 2'3 <laughs> as a freshman. And I came into high school, and those guys were like, whoa, way up there. And you walk through the freshman hall, and I had to go to the senior hall for some of my classes. And, man, it was scary going down there. Scary going up there, I should say. It was up there at the end of the hall. It was scary. Somehow I got Jeremy on my good side. I don't know what I did, but he was on my good side, so it was good. But, um, but you don't want to hang out with the rebels. Don't want to hang out with those people that were just always causing trouble. It happens even today. There's those certain people in our lives that have a tendency just to be rebellious. Just to be that off, off kilter just a little bit. Not pursuing God in every aspect of their lives. Don't hang out with the rebel turkey. So let's be real. Parents, don't stick your head in the sand. If your child's hanging out with the wrong crowd, do something about it. Help them out. Help them see it. Single folks, don't be blinded by romance. If everyone around you is saying, well, he or she's controlling, she's, he's rebellious, he's, he's spiteful, he's bitter. Don't say, well, they're not that way when they're around me. It doesn't work that way. People marry different than they date. They put on a good face while they're dating. Just ask Carol. It's different. So single folks, be careful of that. Don't be naive to the crowd. Don't hang with the wrong crowd. Associate, but don't hang with. The next part of this outline is going to be covered next week in our message next week. We're going to talk about the strength of the compass, how God's word can pour into our lives and replace the crowd, take the crowd out, and the new crowd becomes the church rather than this old rebellious crowd. We find it in Psalms 1 verse 2. It says that they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Um, We're going to look at what a good heart looks like. A good heart with a bad compass will always take you in the wrong place. What does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord? What does it mean to meditate on it day and night? And then we're also going to look at the real life. When we apply all these things, when we pull all these pieces together, the Bible tells us we're going to be blessed at the right time. We're going to be able to survive the drought, and we'll have a, a pattern of prosperity. When you look at those three things underneath the real life, Blessed at the right time, able to survive the drought, a pattern of prosperity. Would any of you say, nah, that's not for me? No. We wouldn't be that stupid, right? That's what I want. I want to be able to survive that drought when it happens. I want that pattern of prosperity. I want to be blessed at just the right time. And just like we said at the very beginning, if we are Velcroed to God's word and we're Velcroed to the church... We're going to have what we need when we need it. doesn't matter how many feathers you add to a turkey. It will never make it. Never make that turkey an eagle. Remember, soaring with eagles means not hanging out with a bunch of turkeys. But we have to remember that at one point, all of us were turkeys. Right? And so when we put ourselves in the crowd of a bunch of turkeys when we're an eagle... We have to realize that we have to humble ourselves to be able to help them see what they need and what they desire. Um, 
we have to treat those turkeys with some kindness because we were once just like them, right? I appreciate your attention this morning, and I hope there's been some things that we've uh, brought out, and uh, maybe there's a couple little twists on that, uh, that old verse that we always talk about, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Hopefully there's something here that, that you can use and take with you, and uh, watch that crowd. There's strength in the crowd. Be careful of that. The food's smelling good back there, and um, so let's, uh, as soon as we dismiss, we'll uh, go uh, get stuff set up and uh, pull them tables out, get the food ready to go, eat some lunch, and um, then we'll have some classes upstairs. And then you can go join those 100 million people and watch the football game or the commercials, whichever you like to watch. Just don't be influenced by it. Don't go buy everything on those commercials. That'd be a bad idea. That'd be following the cloud crowd. That would be being influenced by the crowd. Don't be influenced by it. All right. All right. Anything else anybody needs to announce or mention before we dismiss this afternoon? Guess it's not this afternoon. Ooh, I did really good on time. Got you out early. We're going to eat lunch early. Hope you're hungry already. Hope you didn't eat a big breakfast. Larry, did you eat a big breakfast? No. Oh, good. Good deal. Excellent. He's, over, he's back there, two thumbs up. All right, let's be standing. We'll close in a word of prayer.